Well, welcome everybody to our first in-person worship gathering of 2022 here at Cedar Creek Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're doing that uh, at one of our campuses or just connecting with us online. Either way, you've picked a great day to be here because we are kicking off a brand new series of messages called Back to Basics. And for the next four weeks, we are going to explore some of the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. Beliefs that are at the core not only of who we are as followers of Christ, but beliefs that are at the core of who we are as a church. These essential beliefs allow us as one church family, in spite of all the diversity and differences and uniquenesses that we have, we are able to unite over these essential beliefs. Beliefs. Now, if you're joining us today and you're not a part of the Cedar Creek Church family, or maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus, don't check out. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for you to explore the basic beliefs of Christianity, right? To understand what it is that we as Christians really believe. Or maybe you're a regular Cedar Creek Church attender, but you're just not sure of exactly what it is you believe. So I think there's gonna be something for all of us over this next month. Now you may be wondering why I chose to kick off the new year with this particular topic. I mean, why not do a, you know, a series of messages on resolutions and, and goal settings and you know, four happy hops to having a better year, the kind of stuff that we, we preachers usually do this time of year. Why did I choose this back to the basics? Legitimate question, and two reasons really. One is to help unify us as a church heading into this new year. Because whether we like it or not, the divisions that exist in our communities, the social, the political, the, the racial division, the, the public health division on mask or no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, all of that, it seeps into our church family. And all of a sudden, we can find ourselves starting to divide up over things that are not really essential to following Jesus. In fact, one of our core values as a church is that on the essential beliefs, we have unity. On the non-essential beliefs, we have freedom. But in all things, we show love. And so if we're gonna be united around these basic beliefs, it's kind of important that we know what those beliefs are. Now, of course, you can go straight to our website and on the About Us tab, you can click on beliefs and you can see a list of these essential beliefs that we as a church hold, what we believe about God, about Jesus, about baptism and salvation and the Bible, all of that's there. And if you click on any of those topics, you'll see a basic statement of belief for our church. It's a sentence or two about what we believe about these topics and then scripture references to kind of back up that belief. But what I want to do is drill down a little deeper on these beliefs. To unpack these belief statements, 
to not only give us better understanding of the belief, but more importantly, to figure out how we live these beliefs out, right? Because it is our beliefs that drive our behavior. Not the beliefs that we say we have, but the true beliefs that we hold in our heart determine why we do what we do or why we don't do what we do. And that kind of leads to the second reason I want to kick off the year with this particular topic is because beliefs matter. What you believe to be true really matters, especially more and more these days as the culture around us begins to unmoor itself from truth, as more and more feelings trump facts. And as more and more truth is individualized so that you can have your truth and I can have my truth and though they are different, somehow they're supposed to be equally valid. And in that environment, it's important for us to know not just what we believe, but why we believe it. To get back to the fundamentals of our faith, to anchor ourselves in a world and a culture that is constantly changing. You know, in my 10-year career as a high school coach, one of the things I learned pretty early on as a coach is that poor performance is almost always the result of poor fundamentals. That if you don't get the fundamentals, the basics right, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how creative your schemes and play calling are. You're still going to get beat if you don't get the fundamentals right. In fact, that's why most of the weeks of practice after we lost a game, we didn't waste time putting in new plays or new schemes. We spent a lot of time just getting back to the fundamentals, blocking, tackling, throwing, catching, all of the things that make the game function. Well, the same is true in our faith life. The more solid you are in the fundamentals, the more effective you'll be at living out your faith faith. And I would say these last two years have been probably the most uh, faith-stressing season that any of us have ever been through. Now, I recognize maybe some of us as individuals have been through more stressful times and seasons in our individual lives. I'm just saying for us collectively, none of us have ever experienced what we've experienced over these last two years years. And so because of that, not only are we seeing a dramatic increase in anxiety and depression within our communities, but we're also seeing a rapid increase in doubt and discouragement and disconnection within the church body. And so my hope is as we more and more anchor our lives to the unchanging truths of God, the more stability and security we can have in our individual lives and the more successful we can be in living out the kingdom mission and vision that God has called us to. And so today, I wanna start this journey back to the basics by looking at the most basic belief of all and that is what we believe about God. Not just believing in God, but what we believe about who God is and what God is like. And our church's belief statement about God is this. We believe that God is the creator 
and ruler of the universe. And that he has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are co-equal and are one God. Leave that up there. Let me read that again. We believe that God is the creator and ruler of the universe. And that he has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that these three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are co-equal and they are one God. Now I think most of us here understand this idea of God being the creator and ruler of the universe, right? That God has created everything and he's sovereign and rules over everything. We can kind of wrap our heads around that and we can even wrap our heads around this idea of God eternally existing, that God has always existed. There's no starting point for God. God didn't show up in the beginning in Genesis. He has always existed and he always will exist. There's no beginning and end. And while that concept, when you think about it, is kind of mind-blowing, at least we can understand the basics of it. What is confusing to us is this idea of one God in three persons, right? How does that work? The phrase for that is trinity or triune nature of God. One God Eternally existing as three persons. Now, that's hard to wrap your head around. In fact, someone once said that if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. Well, I don't want to lose my soul, and it's too late. I've already lost my mind, but I'm going to give this a shot. I'm gonna try to explain the Trinity as best I can, but let me just be upfront. Me trying to do this is about like an ant trying to explain the internet, right? It's way above my pay grade. But one of the things I know is that sometimes the best way to try to understand what something is is to understand what it is not. And one of the things that God is not is a shape shifter. Right? It's not one God who shapes or morphs or changes into three different things. Right? It's not like there was God the Father in the Old Testament and then Christmas came and God turned into God the Son and 33 years on earth, you know, Jesus lived, God was the Son and then when his mission on earth was finished, he goes back to heaven and God then morphs into God the Spirit. No, that is not how it works. And the reason I know that is there are multiple examples in Scripture where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all at the same place at the same time. Like Jesus' baptism, right? You've got God the Son in the Jordan River. You got the voice of God the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And you got God the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. So it, the Trinity is not God some kind of shapeshifter, one God who can become three different things. Also, God is not three pieces of one whole. They're not three individual pieces of God that when you put them together, that makes up the whole God. God is not a transformer, right? You remember those cartoons and the movies about the transformers? You have these individual transformers, but they can all come together and make a mega transformer. Yeah, that's not how the Trinity works. It's not when you have God the Son, God the Spirit, and God the Father. When they all come together, then you've got God. No, each person of the Trinity is fully God all the time. 
How does that work? I have no idea. That's the best I can do. In fact, here's the truth. You will never fully understand God. And that's okay. Because the minute you can fully understand God, he ceases to be God. He just becomes the God of our own understanding. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue knowledge about God. We should. We, try to, we should try to learn everything we can and get to know God and everything we can about him. But we just have to recognize that there is some mystery. There's some things about God that will always be a mystery to us. And I can just tell you in my life journey, while I was a younger man, that used to drive me crazy because I couldn't figure it out. But the older I get, and the more I go through life circumstances, I am learning to love God in the mystery, to trust God in the mystery, and to know that his power and his presence is way more than my finite little mind could ever understand. And so I figured today, instead of spending a bunch of time chasing our tail, trying to figure out something we can never figure out, that maybe it would be better if we focus on something about God that we can understand. And one of the things we can understand about God is his unchanging nature. See, not only has God eternally existed, but he has eternally and will eternally be the same. God never changes. In fact, notice what James, the brother of Jesus says, James 1, 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You know the reason I think we ought to focus on this attribute of God, what theologians call his immutability, that he doesn't change, is because I think that is what is most needed by most of us right now. I mean, change is inevitable, right? But it's always stressful. In fact, Dr. Thomas Holmes, when he developed his famous stress scale to measure the amount of stress in a person's life, you know what that scale is made up of? A list of 43 life-changing events. About half of them are good changes, positive changes. The other half are bad changes, but all of that change creates stress in our life. And man, these past two years, not only have we seen an increase in the number of things that have changed, we've seen a dramatic increase in the pace of change. It's like things are changing all the time. No wonder we're stressed out and at each other's throats. And so I would say there's never been a greater need for security and stability in our lives than right now. And I believe there's never been a better way to find that than to anchor our lives into our unchanging God. So for the next couple of minutes, I just want to look at three things about God that never change. Because I believe these three things can give us stability and security no matter what goes on around us. So let's jump in. You might want to write these down. Number one, first thing about God that never changes is his love. God's love for me never changes. God's love is his most well-known attribute. Do a survey and ask people to fill in the blank. God is what? Number one answer on the board, 
love. We've learned that all of our lives. We often forget that because God doesn't change, neither does his love for us. God's love for you is consistent and it is constant. That's why the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament wrote these words in Jeremiah 31. He says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with a what? What's that phrase? I can't hear you. What's it say? Everlasting love. Circle that phrase, everlasting love. See, in the same way that God eternally exists, so has his love for you. He loved you before he knit you together in your mother's womb. He loved you before and through those awful teenage years. He's loved you and he always will. Listen, maybe your parents stopped loving you. Maybe your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend told you that they are no longer in love with you, but your God has never stopped loving you. And listen, not only is God's love consistent, his love is also unconditional. His love for you is not based on you, what you've done or not done. It's based on who he is. That's why the apostle Paul writes these words in Romans 8. He says, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. You're a part of that nothing in all creation. There's nothing you've done or haven't done that has separated you from God's love. And that's great news. Because you know, one of the reasons we get so frustrated in our relationships with each other as humans is because we're always changing, right? Just by the time you figure out somebody and you fall in love with it, they change. You're not the man I married. You're not the woman I married. My child is no longer my child. They have been kidnapped and replaced by this ridiculous, overly emotional teenager, right? What happened? They change, right? And that's hard for us. It's frustrating. The other reason it's hard for us to love each other is because we are fickled and moody, right? We change one day, you know, hour by hour. One day we're in a good mood, next day we're in a bad mood, and we don't even know why, right? Like sometimes I don't love nobody. I don't know why. I don't even love myself because we're fickled. God is not. Nobody has ever said, what got into God today? I wonder what God's ticked off about. No, because his love is unconditional. He never changes. See, that's why when you try to find stability and security in the love of another human being, you will always be frustrated and disappointed and left unmoored. But if you can anchor yourself in God's unchanging love, as you do that, you will begin to find what Jesus called as rest for your souls. God never changes and his love for you never changes. The second thing of God that never changes is his word. God's word to me never changes. See, not only does God's love for you never change, but what he tells you to do won't ever change. You ever had somebody tell you something and then you acted on what they told you and then later they changed their mind? Isn't that so frustrating? It leaves you hanging out to dry. Well, you don't have to worry about that with God. In fact, look at what Isaiah writes, Isaiah 48. He says, the grass withers, 
and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. In other words, Isaiah is saying, your external circumstances are gonna change. The seasons of your life are gonna change. And Lord knows the culture around you is gonna change constantly. But God's word to you is always reliable and always relevant to whatever you're walking through. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about what we believe about the Bible, about God's word, and why we believe that the Bible, the English Bible that we have now, why we believe that it is truly the word of God. We're gonna unpack all of that and dig down in it, but the bottom line is it does not change, and that's good news. Alan Shepard, the first American into space, just before he got into the capsule, He was asked by a reporter what he was relying on the most for this space journey. What are you most relying on for this first time in space? You know what his answer was? That God's laws never change. That the unchanging physical laws of nature can be counted on. That gravity always acts like gravity that the rotation of the earth and the tilt of the earth are always consistent. Can you imagine if gravity switched back and forth every other day? (laughs) Today's a gravity day, today's not a gravity day. Can you imagine if the tilt and the spin rate of the earth just kind of fluctuated with whatever felt good for that day? It would be chaos. Well look, that's not only true for God's unchanging laws of nature, it's also true for God's moral and spiritual laws for our life. Listen, contrary to popular opinion, God does not establish new laws for each generation. We wish that he did. We we think that he does. We love to say, oh, oh, that principle, that law, that was just for people back then. That don't apply to us in our modern day life. Yes, it does. Where God's word is clear, black and white, it does not change. Now listen, obviously, There are laws of God in the Old Testament that were given specific to the nation of Israel just for those people, just for that time. Some of the dietary laws, some of the instructions on sacrificial worship, sacrificing animals, burning stuff. Yes, that was just for them. That's a very small amount. Here's how you can know that a principle or precept from God's word is not just for certain people. If you find that principle in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, because those are two totally different cultures, thousands of years apart, God's word doesn't change. And that's good. I know it's hard. I know we wish we could go the way we feel, but it's a good thing, right? You remember as a kid playing games with other kids in your neighborhood, and there was always that one kid who kept changing the rules in the middle of the game, right? Oh, no, that's no longer out of bounds. The new out of bounds is over here. Or no, the home run, that's not a home run. You gotta hit it over this tree or pass that. Yeah, it's so infuriating. And yet that is exactly what we are doing to ourselves. We are trading the convenience for what we want now for what's best for us in the long run. That's why Jesus says these words in Matthew 7, 24. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, lives by them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, remember, this verse is in the context of a parable Jesus told about two men who wanted to build a house. And one took the easy way. He was in a hurry. He wanted to do the convenient thing. So he just built right on top of the sand. But the other man was willing to do the work, put in the effort, and take the extra time to dig down below the sandy level to get down to the bedrock and build his house on that rock. Now, everybody thought that man was crazy. He spent extra time, extra money just building down to the rock. What difference does it make? Build on the sand. That's what works these days. And everybody thought the rock builder was stupid till the storm hit. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Because when you build on the unchanging truths of God's word, you find stability in your life. Look, God's unchanging word to you is not a barrier to keep you from the good stuff. It's a gift to save you for the best stuff. And look, I know it's not popular I know it's hard. I know at times it doesn't make sense and it seems unreasonable what God is telling you to do. But it is truly stabilizing in your life. In fact, God's unconditional, unchanging love for you may be best expressed in his unchanging word to you. In fact, let me give you a secret little stress survivor. This is a great thing for you to prepare for the inevitable change that's coming this year. Start to memorize scripture. Find principles and promises and truths in God's word and begin to memorize them. Hide them in your heart. Here's why, because most of the time when you're at that crossroad and you gotta make that decision and the pressure is on you and you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do, you usually don't have time to pull out your pocket New Testament or pull out your phone and get to your Bible app. You need to make that decision in the moment. But as God's word begins to settle into your heart and life, you just begin to intuitively know what step to take. So if you don't memorize scripture, you've never done this, here's a great goal. Here's a resolution for the new year. Memorize one passage of scripture a month for the next 12 months. One passage of scripture a month for the next 12 months. Put it on your screensaver during that month. Put it on your laptop. Write it on an index card. Stick it on the mirror of your bathroom, the dash of your car. Just keep that one passage in front of you all month long so that as you hide God's unchanging word in your heart, you'll start to find more security and stability in the storms you're headed through. God's love never changes. His word never changes. And finally, God's purpose never changes. God's purpose for my life never changes. It's so interesting as a, a pastor for over 20 plus years, one of the things I hear a lot from people is this idea that somehow they have missed God's true purpose for their life. Because they've made some mistakes, some bad choices, or things that have been done to them that other people have caused, or, or circumstances. Somehow they're like forever sentenced to a second best 
life. Like, I might get into heaven because Jesus died on the cross and God is full of amazing grace, but I will never fully be used by God. I can never fully experience God's purpose for my life. I'll just have to settle for second best. Well, church, listen, the phrase second best does not appear anywhere in Scripture. But here's what Scripture does say, Isaiah 14, 24 says, the Lord Almighty has sworn, God has sworn this, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will happen. Here's why this is hard for us. We as human beings are linear thinkers, right? We think on a linear level, right? And so we think of God's purpose for our life as this path. And all along this path are forks, decisions. And if we make the right decision at that fork, then we're still on God's plan and purpose for my life. But if we make the wrong decision, now all of a sudden I'm cut off from all the things God could have done in my life if I'd gone to the right instead of the left. We think that way because we are linear. God is not linear. He is not bound by space or time or dimension. God's plan for your life is not a path of forks. God's plan for your life is more like a spider web. That wherever you go in it, that you're always just one next step from being back on track for God's purposes for your life. Just do the next right thing. You want to be on purpose with God for 2022? Just do the next right thing. Take the next right step that he lays before you. And see, here's what's so amazing about our God is he he is able to work out his plan and purposes in the good and the bad. You might have spent 20 years, 30 years on that self-centered, self-absorbed, have it my way path. God was working in all of that. And the minute you step back, take that next right step, you begin to see how he uses all of that. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, in every path I've been on, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Not everything in your life is gonna be good. Not every decision you've made or will make is going to be good. But our unchanging God works in the good and the bad and the ugly. And he works to fulfill his purpose for your life. You say, okay, Philip, what is God's purpose for my life? I'm glad you asked. Two things, one, God's plan and purpose is that you would live a full and abundant life. That you would not just exist, not just get through, not just survive, but that you would experience life the way he meant it. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life and not any old life, but life abundant and full and meaningful, not wasted. The second purpose that God has for your life, for all of us, is that we would become more like Jesus. That we would develop more and more of the character, the heart, the compassion, the love of Jesus. You know, we just read that verse, Romans 8, 28, about God working in all things. You know what the very next verse says? Romans 8, 29. It says, so that we can be conformed into the likeness of his son to be more like 
Jesus. You've not missed that plan. You just got to take the next right step today. Listen, no matter what changes you experience in 2022, no matter what happens or doesn't happen to you, no matter what changes in you, no matter what changes in your circumstances, there are three things you can count on. God's love, God's word, and God's purpose. And I believe if you can anchor yourself to this unchanging God, you can weather any storm you'll face. So I want to close with this last verse on your outline. I love this from the Living Bible paraphrase. Psalm 125.1 says, those who trust in the Lord are as steady as Mount Zion, unmoved by any circumstance. That's what I want so desperately in my life. And because I love you so much, that's what I want in your life as well. So let's pray and ask God to move us in that direction. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that we don't have to be blown around by the winds of culture and time and change and politics and disease, that we don't have to live our lives on the waves of all the broken messiness of this world, but that we can anchor ourselves to your unchanging nature, to your immutability that allows us, even in the storm, to have peace. Even in the pain of loss, to have hope and joy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Help us today, wherever we are individually, help us take that next right step to leaning into and anchoring into your truth, your love, your purposes. Lead us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.